What it do? Welcome to another new episode of Technical File. Listen, not even going to waste y'all time too much on this intro. We're going to change the show format a little bit today because we got a lot of news to break down and get into. So let's just let's start. Episode 327 of Technical File, the sports podcast you never knew you needed. And it's your boy, T-I-M-K-I-N-Z, the number three, a.k.a. Ask Getchum, a.k.a. Mr. Give It To Me. I like that one. That one had a nice little ring to it, you know what I'm saying? A little ring to it. <laughs> I'm BRJ. Only known as? BRJ. And I'm Camille, point guard of the crew, the real life Tifa Lockhart, the girl next door, you know, holding it down for all the women who love sports. Not what is this week? It's Kay Harris, the gentleman. I think he's still trying to come up with a new moniker. Uh, and that is why the man did not show up this week. No, I'm I'm playing, but uh, <laughs> he had to do some work and get some things done. So he's not joining us this week. So it's a T-E-C. Seven in the world. Yeah, tech episode this week. No K this week. But man, like I said in the intro, there's so much to get to this week. So we ain't going to hold y'all, but we do have a little housekeeping before we get into the swing of things here. So as a reminder, please share this show with a friend of yours, a coworker, Ken, whoever. Just share the show with somebody because we grow through y'all word of mouth. And we say it as a joke, but now that's like the new catchphrase of this podcast at this point. Show us what that word of mouth do because we are trying to grow. <laughs> and people, listen, they're going to take y'all opinion a little bit more serious than they take our own because we own this show. So show us what that word of mouth do so we can keep growing tech file in the future. Subscribe on YouTube if you have not already. Make sure you hit the notification bell. We go live every Tuesday around 7 p.m. Central Time. So if you join on the YouTube live, you can be part of the show, ask questions, we talk to you, interact with you, and all that good stuff. Uh, so yeah, subscribe, share, show us what that word of mouth do. We greatly appreciate it. Now, shout out to KG in the comments. First one here, AZ in the building. What's going on, brother? Appreciate you from coming through. Like I mentioned, this is going to be a little bit different of a show. Now, our normal format is we generally hit NFL, then we hit NBA, and then we hit pro wrestling news. The four of us always generally pick one topic in each of those categories. So we have four talking points for NFL, four talking points for NBA, four talking points for pro wrestling. This week, because today the Bucks fired their head coach, Adrian Griffin. And as you see, the three Bucks fans of the Potter here are Lakers fan. Ken is not. <laughs> we are going to be spending some time diving into that. So we decided That's to kind of truncate the show to allow for some more time for us to really dive into these topics. So instead of four topics underneath the NFL, four underneath NBA, four underneath pro wrestling, we're cutting that in half. We're doing two for NBA, two for NFL, two for pro wrestling. And we're going to kind of mix them up a little bit here. So without further ado, we might as well just get into it because like I mentioned, the Milwaukee Bucks fired head coach Adrian Griffin today. 
43 games into the season, Joe Prunty has been named the interim coach while they look to hire a new coach. But all reports indicate that Doc Rivers is in the lead to be the next head coach. And the question I got for the fellas is, was this the right move for the Bucks? Tim, I'm going to start for you because I know you were super excited uh, to get some of your Bucks takes off. Um. Okay. So, because it's alleged. We, we, it ain't done yet. Ain't no ink on no goddamn papers nowhere yet. Because it's alleged. It's a wink and a gun, though. Ah, it's damn near done. Ah, let's just let's call a spade a spade. He, he probably going to be our next head coach. <laughs> but... um. With Doc Rivers as our coach, or rumored to be the coach. Rewind, rewind. Um, Before you even get to Doc, Tim, hold on. Like, was firing Adrian Griffin the right move? Yes. Why? Right now, it's interesting, but I would say, all right, let's put it like this. I'll give the Bucks credit for finding a, they could have taken what they believe to be a bad hire and just rolled with it for the rest of the season. They could have just saw it through, seen it through the playoffs, seen it through the postseason, get an early exit because it looked like, honestly, on what we're seeing versus what the paper says, we probably would have got bounced first or second round. Uh, I wouldn't have been surprised, honestly, if it was first. But give credit where it's due. They decided, hey, we took a bad hire. We recognize that. We're going to change that. We're halfway through the season, but we're pretty much like legit at the halfway point. It's 43 games. 43. Like, we're at the halfway point. So we still got at least 37 more games, 37, 38 more games to go. What they are, what my fear or concern is, is that if we make the same mistake twice in the same season, we don't accomplish anything. <laughs> so I do say that it is more so a, sure, we're trying to right or wrong right away. I, it's not right away, but it's right away. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, it. yeah, especially because we got 30 wins. Like, most of the time, you don't see a coach with 30 wins, 13 nails, get fired halfway through the season. But again, a testament to the Bucks because on paper, sure, we are doing, we're six points better on offense than we were on defense. We're six points per possession, or 100 possessions, worse on defense than we were last year. So we're like, like, instead of fourth, we're like 22nd in defense. Yeah. You're six points better, yes, because we expected offensively to be better. In essence, we went all in on offense this year. The problem, and the reason why I say yes, is because you were tasked with optimizing Dane and Giannis. Your whole point and the whole task with him, like after everything shook, and granted, yes, sure, he didn't walk into a situation where he had Dame in the first place. The whole thing was... If you can optimize Dame and Giannis on offense, everything else should kind of fall into place. It really shouldn't matter everybody else. Like, we'll figure out everybody else. But if we can get those two humming, we should be straight. We kind of sold on defense. Not kind of. We sold on defense. <laughs> so your whole thing, even coming into it, I'm not really going to change much of what Bud did. I'm just going to tweak it. You changed what Bud did. <laughs> and you tweaked it to the point we can't defend shit. We can't defend the three. We can't defend the paint. We can't defend floaters. We can't defend layups. We can't defend nothing. Pick your poison. At least with Bud. No, I know. I know. I know. At least with Bud, 
We picked our poison. We're going to not let you do shit on the interior. You're going to have to beat us by three. We can't pick no poison. Everything we eat is just going to fuck us up. (laughs) Whoever it is, it's just bad. Offensively, then, your goal is to make sure that we have continuity, make sure that we have chemistry, make sure that we are at least humming on offense on a regular basis, consistently. We had games where we like, oh, my God, this is what we could be. But not one point in time during this season did we consistently be that team. Not one point in time during the season did we consistently get a Dame at optimal performance. Sure, he comes into the season with I'm trying to uh, work my way into uh, work my way into my my game uh, shape during the season. But my guy, damn near, I think his effective field goal percentage is this. It's like 20, he's 22nd or 26th in the league. He's out there with Russell Westbrook. Dame. And Cass is writing, wrote Westbrook off. Like, now we're saying Dame is damn near in the same category, effective, like, with his effective field goal percentage as Russ? That doesn't work. Giannis, sure, he ain't the best at short picking rows. Dame operates a little bit better with the ball, more so in his hands. But we've seen that they've been fighting on the court and probably behind the scenes because we've seen Dame wide open, Giannis standing next to him. He'd rather pull the three than give it to Dame. What the fuck? <laughs> Things like this function like that. It's part of the reason why he is gone. Things where it should be, okay, if we're going to say fuck the defense, let's just make sure we are that juggernaut on offense. But here's the thing that's crazy about that, Tim. Adrian Griffin has never been the type of dude to come out and actually say F that defense. He's preached nothing but defense, 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 and the team has not been able to execute. That's why that face. They haven't been good at it. They haven't been good at it. Like, he brought this aggressive trapping scheme because he wanted to force turnovers, and the Bucks are last mm-hmm. in the league in forcing turnovers. Like, he's preaching it, and he's saying that's something that we have to be, you know, good at, but it hasn't translated. And to that point, and then I'll let you, I'll let you go, Eric J. I said it recently. I had text y'all in the group when that Cavs game was going on. Like I said, I'll leave it at the this. 40-point blowout Cavs game? The 40-point blowout Cavs game with everybody but Giannis playing. Yeah. Yes, that, that game. I said in the group, I said that one of three things must be true about this team and the coach. One, there really isn't an offensive or defensive plan in place. Two, or or the players really not buying in that we really only won it on talent. Or three, they're following the game plan and it just fucking sucks. <laughs> It's just terrible, bro. Like, they trying to do what he's telling them to do, and it's just not working. But based off of everything that we've seen so far, it sounds like there really wasn't an offensive or defensive plan in place in the first place. And two was true as well, because two things can be true at once that we really were just winning on talent. Yep. Yep. Both of those things were definitely true. Eric, I know you you in particular, uh, I've been waiting to hear your thoughts on this because early on you brought up I believe it's the Phoenix Suns comp uh, when they fired their coach pretty early on into the season and you were saying at some point sometimes it's better to just realize you were wrong and get up off of it and try to veer and find something else to do but you were also of the same mind saying like but at this point it's only a week or two into the season like it's too early for us to know yet well now we're halfway through and he's gone and I've been waiting to hear how you are feeling about this situation. Um, yeah, I was going to reference that tweet thread that I sent out. I looked it back. It was uh, November 13th. Um, so I think it was about a month into the season. Um, 
and I won't rehash it because I said it on the podcast too. But yeah, like there is when the Suns hired Terry Porter, they recognized pretty early on, like this, this isn't what we thought we hired. <laughs> um, and they weren't afraid to make that decision pretty early on, even though, you know, some people could preach patience and like maybe it gets better, but it's like on the flip side, maybe it gets worse. Um, I'll also break up another parallel to something to a, a different situation where a team made a tra- change, um, where a successful team made a, tra- a change, and that was uh, David Black in Cleveland. David Black yeah. was first in the East <laughs> uh, his second year in Cleveland, but like LeBron had seen enough, and like I say LeBron, <laughs> but like then the organization had seen enough. Like they they went through his first year when he was hired for a job that changed dramatically, <laughs> you know, within the first few months. Um, and he wasn't really equipped to handle that type of team. Um, it's unfortunate. Like, I feel bad on a personal level for Adrian Griffin, but he wasn't the right hire for the team that he was hired to coach. Um, and, like, yes, he can grow into let – me, let me backtrack. Maybe he can grow into being a successful NBA head coach, but this isn't the type of job that you take to learn on the job. Like, they're – they were under different pressure when they hired him because like Giannis was going into a lame, he's going into the last year of a contract um, and they needed to secure an extension. Um, and there was a possibility that the team that he was hired to coach could have been like a last day situation. And that was the last year. And then they pivot into a rebuild. That all changed when they when they traded for Dame and Giannis signed his extension. There's like, yo, we have a, a title window and you gotta get better really quickly. And he didn't. Yeah. Like, you know, there were numerous red flags, but the brightest one was Terry Stotts walking away from this job a week before the regular season started. Like, maybe it was just a difference of opinion, but it's like NBA coaches, NBA people, like they, these are finite jobs. Like they don't just walk away from these jobs unless like it's something's really rotten. So it sucks for him personally. It sucks that, you know, this team wasn't able to figure it out under him. But I'm glad that they made this move now as opposed to seeing the year through and just wasting a year of Giannis and Dame and Chris and Brooke who only have so many years left themselves, like, you kind of got to do what you got to do. That's a fact. That's a fact. And that was my thing around the hire of Adrian Griffin from the jump, where I was saying, like, it's a tough situation to walk into for a first-year head coach. Now, there are reports that have come out from Chris Haynes mentioning the fact that part of why he was hired is that the franchise was unsure about the direction they'd be going in. They weren't sure if they were going to be able to re-sign Chris. They weren't sure if they're going to be able to re-sign Brooke. They weren't sure if Giannis would sign an extension with this team. So they were like, hey, opportunity here for us to try out a first-year head coach. And let's keep in mind as well that he was somebody who Giannis was like, of the candidates, I like him the most, like Adrian Griffin, that works out for me. So they went in this direction. You have a bombshell right before training camp with the trading of Drew Holiday for Damian Lillard, which your point of attack defense is out the window right there and right then. Um, And I guess you're, Eric, you're saying your first red flag was the Terry Stotts thing. And for me, 
I guess in retrospect, my first red flag was him saying Malik Beasley is going to be taking on the toughest defensive assignment every night. And I was like, wait, what? Who? Bees? That the dude we saw the Lakers bench last year in the playoffs? Okay. That's interesting. And it's not to say that Malik Beasley's been having a bad season because as we've seen, he's one of the top three point shooters in the league offensively. Like he has been great. The net ratings when the starting five is on the court have been phenomenal. No knock on him, but let's be real. Like you, all the effort in the world can't change natural ability sometimes. And that just wasn't going to be a clean fit. I did not expect for the Bucks to fire their head coach before all-star break, before a trade deadline. I really thought that they would give him at least a full year to see if they could do it. If anything, because to be fair to Griffin, Part of the reason this isn't working is roster. The personnel isn't all the way there. The Bucks still do need to make some personnel switches, in my opinion. They still do need a point-of-attack defender on this team. Switch the coach if you want to, but you also need to up that personnel to fit a little bit better around them. And I do think you can have a head coach come in, better utilize what Dame and Giannis do offensively, so on and so forth. But like, there's only so much a coach can really implement in a season when they're coming in halfway through it. NBA teams and players already complain about the fact that they don't have much time to practice during the regular season. And now you're bringing in a brand new head coach halfway through. There's really not going to be much time to implement or to train up a new system. Like best case scenario is like you just kind of tweak around the edges and try to make changes that can be done pretty quickly uh, with this team. So I don't I think know. It's, it's 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 interesting. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I think that's the benefit of having such a veteran team is that you kind of can use shortcuts and shorthand to kind of make these adjustments on the fly. Um, I don't disagree. Like I do think that it was it's they have personnel issues. Like the roster composition isn't what's needed to, uh, especially in light of <laughs> trades that have happened recently. Like it's not very Terry. <laughs> You know, the roster still needs to be tweaked uh, to kind of match up with those teams. But also, I think that the coaching staff thus far hasn't maximized what the Bucks do well. That's fair. Or mitigated what they do poorly. That's fair. Um, and those are things that I think can be tweaked mid-season. Like, it, I don't think you junk everything. Um, because, again, like, well, like we said early on in the season – this is a team that was built to play bud ball. <laughs> like there are only so many pitches that they can throw. So like, you know what the skeleton is. And I would imagine that they were on more pick and roll if Giannis buys into it. Um, and then on defense, like they just tighten up their screen navigation and communication. Like those are, those are things that I don't think need to be installed in a preseason or a training camp. Like those are things that it's just like we have to commit to it. We have to know clearly what our plan is, which is something that numerous players have kind of highlighted in media sessions over the last month or two, which is like, I don't know what we're doing. You know, like those are things that come from the top down and it's like is it, communicate that effectively to the team make sure everybody gets on the same page and go from there. Um, the, whoever the coach is, knock, knock, wink, wink. <laughs> uh, I think that those are things that they can clean up coming in midstream. 
Yeah, and let's not bury that lead because as mentioned, Doc Rivers is the name that's being thrown out there as somebody who the Bucks are looking at as their top candidate for this. And what was interesting about the news around the dismissal of Adrian Griffin was learning that Doc Rivers has already been working with this franchise since they were in Vegas for the end season tournament. He has been uh, already familiar with the team. He has been advising Griff. (laughs) So it's kind of like it's an, it's a, the Bucks have had just a history of just weird transitions from coaches. It's always kind of messy in some way, some shape, some form. <laughs> I mean, like we had Larry Drew at the public market with Jabari Parker talking about how great this was, and then that man was gone within a week. I think within a day. <laughs> I was trying to be kind. No, I was gonna, right. No, I was going to say, uh, sorry, Tim, I know you're going to get something in, but I was going to say this is the second time that the Bucks ownership group has fallen for the dirty Mac. Like yeah. they have some, they already got a girl, and then like somebody whispered in their ear, you know I can do better than her. Mm. Like, you know what? You can do better than them. And then it's like you don't break up first, you just hire the coach. Cause like I'm not convinced that this all just came together today and like they hadn't reached out to Doc Rivers and they weren't sure if he's gonna take the job and they're just now getting into the conversations. But like no. Nah. This locked in, and like for Doc Rivers to be consulting the dude and then take his job, like thirty nine. I'd have to throw hands if I was Griff personally. Uh, and that's just disgusting. Ken, before or not Ken, Tim, before I throw to you, KG had a quick comment because you saw in the Chris Haynes article saying that Jeff Van Gundy and Nate McMillan names are in the coaching picture as well. The Athletic reported that if. Uh, things then work out with Doc Rivers. Another name to keep in mind or keep an eye on for the Bucks is Kenny Atkinson. So, Tim, I know you've had some other thoughts you want to talk about in regards to Doc Rivers coming in and all of the other coaching of who might fill this role now. Um, I'm gonna just, if y'all don't mind, I'm gonna do a quick ISO, you know, clear out real quick. <laughs> well, um, I'll make you quick. I'll make you quick. So let me start off by saying. Uh, the Bucks didn't have time to fool fool themselves with the regular season record. Like when they traded for Dame, it became a championship robust team from the jump. This is not a championship team right now. So they got proactive. They started making moves based on the heightened expectation of what we were expecting for this season, either a championship or bust. So rather than the general standards that a number two seed with a 30-win coach would bring. And rightfully so, because, you know, most other fans, if they were the number two seed, the most other teams are the number two seed, they're not tripping about the coaching. They're not tripping about the on-field product or the on-court product and anything like that. Rightfully so. But when the standards change from having a good year to this is our year or not, I hate to sound like the Cowboys, but <laughs> this is our year or not, you had – a lot of fans give grace to the coach and shit, the fan base and the ownership itself when you have the number two seed in the East. We don't have that time to play around with the regular season record. We're more so concerned about the postseason. Hell, even working with Bud, we realized that the regular season, okay, you can work through things during the regular season, but we're really trying to get to this chip. Doc Rivers and big name coaches, big name retread coaches, that will point. never go away. It will never not be a thing. And maybe all the Bucks need is someone who's good at managing superstars. 
But Rivers isn't exactly a creative offensive mind, which we all would agree. That's really what we need right now. Because at the end of the day, we don't have the personnel for the defense. We don't have the personnel for top five, top 10 in the league in defense like that, unless they truly buy into being two-way players on both ends. And these are a bunch of more so offensive-minded players than defensive-minded players. So you need someone who's going to come in and not just be good at getting offensive uh, opportunities or creating a good offense for us. You damn near have to be perfect. You damn near have to perfect it because we're giving up so much on the defensive end and that has everything to do with the GM and the front office, not necessarily the coach. But the GM and the personnel that we have, you have to damn near lean all the way into the offensive side to make it as efficient as possible. So I'll put it like this. We bet on the fact that the trade-off for the Bucks was a simple on this one. Lillard's offense has to be worth more than Holiday's defense because Holiday's offense is still better than Dame's defense. Does that make sense? No, I hear what you're saying. I mean, they always say the saying is good offense always beats good defense. That is the saying. But it's at the point where if our trade-off was supposed to be, okay, we're going to get Dame, which is going to be so much better on offense that we're willing to give up Drew's defense. Well, In essence, they call it a wash. Drew's defense is elite. Dame's offense is elite. But we feel like Dame's offense will offset what Drew's defense is lacking. But the problem with that is Dame – Drew's defense is so elite and his offense is still way better <laughs> than Dame's actual defense. You have to lean cool. all the way into that. You, you said what, Eric? Oh, I was just saying, I don't think it's necessarily one-to-one. Like, I think that Drew can be the greatest defender that ever lived and, like, Dame can just be a great offensive player. His offense is still worth more than Dame's defense or Drew's defense. Well, like also, I did, I I think that I don't think that they necessarily need creative offense. I think that they have a very clear like, what hey man, mean? just get this one thing working that unlocks everything else. Like just just figure out the way to unlock the Dame Giannis pick and roll, which again like can be partially just Giannis needs to buy into being a screen setter and a roller. Like not only like he's Giannis, you don't want to just put him in that box, but like. I think part of it is like his he's not sure when to roll, when to pop, when to slow roll, when to, you know, sit in the pocket, when to just get out the way. Like that part needs to be figured out. And I don't think that necessarily takes an offensive genius. I think you just take somebody to be like, hey, you go do this. Mm-hmm. When he does this, you do this. When you do this, he does that. Like they need to figure out that synergy. Like there's a disconnect there, and we've seen it pretty much the entire season. In spite of that, they still have the number two offense in the league. So, like, Correct. again, you don't have to be perfect to be better than everybody else. Yeah. Um, and, like, the defense, I think the expectation was that, yes, there will be a hit, but they had the foundation there from years prior. They have two of the best interior defenders in the league. Like, it, it should only fall that's so it. far. You said what? That's it. I thought that that's it. Because when you employ a Dame and a Malik Beasley backcourt, you're not asking to play defense. You're walking into a non-defensive I'm saying that the the hit that they expected to take wasn't to 22nd. It was to like 15th, 12th, you know, 20th at worst. But like to be a bottom 10 defense and really play worse than that, like the thing that's saving them is like they have these spurts 
like usually with the starters at the end of the game when they've kind of been fucking around all day and then they're like, all right, we can turn on defense for a couple minutes and then they like blow people out in crunch time. And it's like they don't have they have a baseline there that is shown like when they're engaged, they're at least competent, borderline, you know, like decent. The thing is, like, they don't have that throughout the course of the game. So, like, again, like, the failure wasn't that he wasn't let – me, let me rephrase this. The failure was that he didn't meet expectations and they didn't think that there was a pathway to him meeting those expectations because he had lost the team. Yep. I mean, to be fair, if you think about our bench, you think about our starters, you think about our bench. And you think about the defense that we're expected. Again, we was expected to take a drop back, but not this big of a drop back. But then if you come off the bench with Campaign or Pat Connaughton or nope. Bobby uh, Portis or A.J. Green or, you know what I mean? Like, we don't have people on the – we have Giannis, Brooke. Chris has done lost a step. So it's like you don't have three on offense with the starters. You don't have none really on defense except for Jay Crowder and uh, AJ Ajax. You have nobody else. But here's literally <laughs> here's the thing with that, and we can kind of wrap up the the Griff talk and and move on. Um, the Bucks have are designed; they're a top heavy team, right? So they're designed for the starters to carry the load. I do not expect the bunk, the Bucks bench to be one that is outscoring other benches. What I expect from the Bucks bench is for them to get into the game and not blow the lead that the starters help to build. That's it. That's the bare minimum. Don't blow it until our starters can get back into the game. And the Bucks bench has not been able to do that at this point. So that's part of the problem. And again, I do think there's some personnel things they still need to address before the trade deadline. Interesting with Horace trying to pull that off and them signing a new head coach. So there's, there's a lot of moving parts for this team right now, but my uncle Michael said something that was really interesting to me like last week. And he was like, I think the Bucks are the Philadelphia Eagles where, yeah, you, you got a good record right now, but the way you got there, like it, it, it didn't look good. And as time went on, the cracks started to show and then it broke and you saw them get put out of the postseason very early. And he was like, if they keep Griffin, I think they're going to end up being like the NBA version of the Philadelphia Eagles. It's really great that the Bucks have a 30 and 13 record at this point in the season, given the fact that the defense has been so disjointed and offensively, they've just been relying on their talent because as they've mentioned, they haven't been schemed well on either side of the ball. And they have also played a very easy schedule up to this point. The Bucks have one of the toughest schedules to end the season. So there, I'm glad they were able to build up, you know, their record in the standings, but there is, there is some monster games coming up for them to end the season. So they have to be ready for this. And Griff is gone. Like we mentioned, Griff is out of the door because the Bucs have been underwhelming with their play. Yes, they have the record, but if you look at the process, it doesn't align. Like the process doesn't look like a good process to get the results you want. So the Bucs are pivoting off of that saying, hey, I know we have results right now, but how we're getting to them is not sustainable. We need to do something. So that's where we are at this point in time. The reports are going to keep coming in and players are like, they mentioned they were going to be patient, but we're halfway through the season. And as you can see, they're not getting any better at this point. So, like, something had to shake. I just didn't think the ball – I think the Bucks 
were going to actually pull the trigger. Like I, I, I just didn't think they were going to do it. I thought they would have a little bit more patience, but they have clearly said like, nope, we're with everybody on this team and we're trying to get to a championship as quickly as we possibly can. So a, a, a day here in Milwaukee mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. around those bucks. And a day. To, real quick to Jeff's point, he said it earlier, uh, Giannis also didn't want to play with Nick Nurse, but look how much better Philly is with Nick Nurse now. Like, look how much better they're playing. Look how much better they look. Period. Like, but man, you also point to it, it's about fit. Like, he fits what Joel Embiid probably wants from a coach. He doesn't fit what Giannis necessarily wants from a coach. And like, you're not going to get the same level of buy-in from a Giannis that didn't want that guy as his coach as you do from Embiid, who was more in line with it. Like, personalities matter in these situations. Shit, sometimes you got to work with a motherfucker and realize that, you know, you might be all right. <laughs> you might not like him at first, but you might be all right. <laughs> I know, but like, like I said, like, if, if you're pessimistic going in, like, you never give him a chance to be all right. So, like... Never gave him a fair of- shake. So, you, you know, that is, that is what it is. And Jeff said that the Bucks don't make this move if they don't have a coach lined up. They got Dirty Mac. Dirty Mackin'. Dirty Mackin'. Boy, Dirty I hate Mac. that shit. I ain't gonna hold you. We was watching some trash TV show. I'm like, bro, Dirty Mac in his way all the way to the end. And guess what? We got to the reunion. Them motherfuckers won together. He Dirty Mac that's when it I hope that's not the case with the Bucks. But damn, you know, Dirty Mac can usually don't pan out. Because once you done talking shit about me, what do you offer? <laughs> hey, listen. <laughs> if it's a, quick, a quick working out with a quick championship. I'm good with that. It don't have to work right. out too much. Like, give me, give me another ring. I'm, I'm good. But. Yeah, uh, that was some surprising news. When I, when the Woj bomb went off and I saw the Milwaukee Bucks, I thought it was going to be a trade announcement. And instead, it was news about the head coach being fired. And I know Wisconsin sports fans, there's a Venn diagram, of course, between Bucks fans and Packer fans. There's a lot of overlap between those two subsets. And I'm sure there are Packer fans who were wishing that they got some news about a certain coach being oh, fired. Oh, wait, it's going to come. God damn it. I don't know. I don't know, Tim. <laughs> I truly don't know, but listen, the Green Bay Packers went from a two and five team to the NFC divisional round during a rebuilding year. They did lose to the 49ers 24-21 to end their season. And I just have one question from y'all because the game was on Saturday. There's a lot to talk about from the game. The, The Packers were in position to win the game. They didn't. And that just showed to me a difference between a young team and an experienced team that's favored for a reason. The 49ers had uh, advantages and opportunities and they took advantage of them and the Packers dropped theirs. Just happens that way. But the question I have for y'all is, what is your biggest takeaway about the Packers from this season going forward? Because again, from two and five to a divisional round playoff game that they were in control of for most of it. What do you take away from this Packers season? Before I get to the mac, before I get to the macro, I do just want to say, like, for all the consternation about missed field goals and interceptions in the second half, where they lost that game was in the first half when they had three shots in the red zone and walked away with six points. Can't that go being said, in the red zone in the playoffs. Yeah. Like, yeah, kicker should have made his kicks, but like also. You got to take advantage of those opportunities, especially when you're overmatched by, you know, from talent and experience. Wait a second, Danny, Jeff, you made five grand on the Packers. Took took the points. Mm, I'm glad you made some money off of it. I'm glad someone <laughs> got a victory. 
<laughs> this weekend. I'm glad to see it. Uh, but yeah, with that being said, like it, it, we've said it pretty much since training camp. It's like this year is about make making sure that we have the guy for the future at quarterback. And in that regard, really, conspiracy brother Tim coming out. Mm-hmm. He had to go put the hood on. Hey, wouldn't be us if we didn't. All right, mm-hmm. finish your there. Finish. I got to hear a conspiracy <laughs> brother down there thinking about. Mm-hmm. We have we have a we have our quarterback. We have our coach, head coach. Um, the position players are show promise. Adrian, uh, Adrian, <laughs> still got Adrian Griffin on the brain. Sorry, Aaron Jones. Um, Man, bring him back, whatever it costs. Um, but like I. I Honestly, echo what Dustin said. It's like I've had more fun watching these last couple months than I had the last few years with Rodgers. And that's the thing about honestly, like it kind of ties back into our last conversation, which is like teams with expectations, like winning titles is fun, but like it's less fun watching like game to game, watching the process than it is like worrying about the results at the end. So it's like I have much more fun when there are low expectations, no expectations. It's like you know, we're rebuilding, we're seeing these young guys. Like, that's that's the fun part of the fan cycle. Like, once you get to, like, the, we should be winning titles. Why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we doing that? Like, that, sh- that takes the, the joy out of it. So, like, this was the funnest year, well, back half of a Packers season that I've had in a long time. Um, and I'm looking forward to the future. Like, I, I hope Detroit – enjoys this little run that they having because <laughs> like unless they win the title going into next year the Packers gonna be the favorite in AFC North mm. Mm. all right Tim now if you are new here to tech file every so often when we have a conspiracy that we think is afoot you gotta put your hood up and you, and you gotta be conspiracy brother so Tim What's your takeaway from the Packers that got you thinking conspiracy? Wait, let me it, reiterate it, first. Wait, wait, wait. Is it conspiracy naysayer now? Nah. <laughs> we could be conspiracy naysayers for sure. But first off, let me just reiterate what uh, Ken said. The future is bright. To answer your question, Camille, the, the original question. The future is bright with the Packers. I am happy. Well, hold on. Let me. Let me. I'm happy with what we got going on. We have a young squad that will literally grow together. The only problem with growing together, though, is if everybody's eating, we got to pay every damn body. We ain't going to be able to pay everybody. So we got to, our window is probably this rookie contract window. So probably the next three, four years. Because after that, cats going to need to get paid. They I think uh, Dobbs and Watson got two years left before we have to pay them, anyways. Maybe a year because. Fourth year is usually an option or whatever the case may be because they neither one of them was first round pick. So that, but neither here nor there. Well, that counts. But I like the team. I love the team. I love the squad. Our office is young. Our office is, it's going to be electric, bro. Like everybody got to have to get used to pretty much the entire offense had to get used to being in the league this year outside of a couple linemen and Aaron Jones. Other than that, the entire offense had to get used to being in the NFL this year, like as a starter. From Watson and Dobbs, though. Watson was hurt a lot last year. But he played. Yeah. They were the he best, remember? With, he played with Aaron. Aaron, he had his own shit. Right, Dobbs right. had his own shit with Aaron, too. Like, Aaron Hold was out on, there. Brother, I'm not going to give you the ball if you ain't running the right route the rest of the damn game. Shut your ass. You cost us some damn games, motherfucker. Anyways, 
the defense, I'm curious to see where we go on the defensive side of the ball because we have some vets on defense. Most of our vets is on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. And some of these cats making some money. <laughs> so we'll see kind of what the restructures go, things of that nature. We probably go get rid of Bakhtiari this offseason for sure. We'll I'm, I'm, I'm damn near like he probably end up with Aaron somewhere. But back to what I was talking about. Conspiracy brother. The hood back oh. up, y'all. If you want audio only, the hood is back up. Let me close this motherfucker up a little bit. I am with you. Me and you and a couple of us in our group, we were talking throughout the game. So not at, at no point in time or another did we actually blame the refs for the game. There were different points where we were like, damn, y'all niggas need to wrap up. Y'all need to go ahead and make sure y'all sure tackling these cats, things of that nature. Now, but we, we did really, call the ref out. We said we called the ref out. But we didn't say that the play. Lost. Eric right, but then... My whole thing, yeah, I remember some, some complaints. So <laughs> we complaints. had a couple. There, it was a couple who like something don't seem right here, like the spotting of the ball. That well, was a I'm lot of our our complaint. Like, damn, y'all spotting the ball wrong, shit like that. I don't say that the refs is the problem for the game. I'm not with the cats that like, yo, the refs is the whole reason why we lost the game. No, 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 no. But I do not remove the refs at all because of the fact that there were several different opportunities for us to actually continue our momentum where things did change. Fourth and one, for example. Yes, we could have kicked the field goal. Were they offsides on fourth and one? Yes, they were. If they called the offsides on fourth and one, do we continue at the 15, 20-yard line? Yes, we do. We continue that momentum. We carry that momentum. We still eat up the clock. And who knows? We might actually score a touchdown or actually kick the field goal. We get those three points if that was called. It was blatant. Blatant. That removes the ball. Next thing you know, it's a seven-point swing because they score on that drive. Oh, speaking of that drive, was there a intentional grounding call that could have been called? Yep. Should have been called. That goes 15 yards back. That loses a down, too. Would have ended the drive for him. Would have ended the drive. They don't score that George Kittle touchdown. There was a Christian McCaffrey touchdown that we was like, damn, these motherfuckers really need to catch up. Oh, wrap up. There was a block in the back that could have been a second tackler because Christian McCaffrey got tripped up on that first person. No, he didn't wrap up, but he did get tripped up. The second person that came through to try to tackle him, he got pushed in the back. Christian Gone, wide open up the field. Not saying the refs had nothing to do with their game or they were the only reason why we lost because we did have several opportunities. Savage should have took that shit back to the house. We should have had another pick later on in the game. We should have kicked the fucking field goal. Motherfucking kickers. I got something for their ass later, too. Actually, no, you know, I got something for their ass right now. I got something for their ass right now. Your job is to kick the ball. I had, I coached football for at least four years. I had a kid one year come to me and say, hey, I just want to kick the ball. I don't want to tackle. I don't want to hit nobody. I don't want to get hit. All I want to do is kick the ball. I play soccer. I just want to kick the ball. We had a kid that could kick 30-yard field goals at 10. At 10, he went on to play high school football. Guess what he was? A fucking kicker. He went to go play college football. Guess what he was? A fucking kicker. You know what happens every time with kickers? You have one shot. You are under pressure every single kick. You don't get two to three to four kicks and chances like that, like the offense or defense. You don't get that. You have one kick. You have one shot. The pressure literally is on you every single kick. Yep. So for you to come out there and people are like, oh man, he was just under pressure. No. Every kick throughout his entire career has been under pressure. 
He didn't just go, go to college going, you know what? I'm going to just be a kicker today and became an NFL kicker. No, he's been doing the same shit his entire career. Same reason why they don't give quarterbacks excuses when they get to the league. They going to light your ass up. They light kickers' ass up. Not saying that death threats and shit like that. Y'all doing too much with that shit. It's a game at the end of the day. Like, y'all need to really relax with that shit. But as a career choice, you decided to kick the ball. We asked you to come out and do one thing. Kick the goddamn ball through the huff rights. But, like, is that... Like, yes, it, he's at fault. But also, is that a failure of coaching? Like, they... yes. Because they, they stuck with had him. a very large sample size of him missing a whole bunch of kicks. <laughs> and they said, hey, we'll let it go. He's a rookie. Now, fuck that. Now, fuck that. now, what I will say to that is coming into the season, again, rebuilding year, a development year. And what you expect from these young players is for them to make mistakes and for them to grow. Mm-hmm. Now, with this team, initially, I just kept saying, I can't wait to see what they look like next year once they get past all of these little mishaps. But the offensive skill position players and people don't give enough love to the de- the young defensive dudes as well who have been making an impact. Wooden, Brooks, Wyatt, like the defensive line, the young defensive linemen, like they have been, they were doing their thing. So you expect for them to grow. And over the season, you saw the young defensive skill players grow. You saw the mm-hmm. offensive skill players grow. But Anders Carlson did not seem to – his growth did not match up with the rest of his team, right? So as things happen, expectations change. So yes. one can argue, hey, LaFleur, you saw this was a problem. You should have done something earlier. And the other half of it can be like, well, they knew what they were doing and they signed up for that this year. I think that I, even if you real, believe in him long term, like you can still be like, hey, you know, like come back next year, get your mechanics right, do whatever you need to do. Like even if you need to fake an injury and put him on IR, like bring it, at least be trying out kickers. Like you, it just seemed like they were just like, well, that's what we got. So we just gonna keep rolling with it. Like that man missed kicks in what, 10 out of the last 12 games? Yeah. 10 out of 12. And here's the thing too, like in the off season, you better bring in some real comp for this kicker. Like if he can't outkick whoever y'all bring in to kick, and don't draft the kicker, please. Oh, no. I was I was he like, drafted his ass. I was confused <laughs> when they drafted him in the first place because his college numbers weren't great either. So it's like, what do you see? It, I know he has it's the leg strength. That's the answer. Yeah, Sheldon, yeah, his brother played for the Raiders. Yeah, his brother's so, nice. I get it, but we're too much talking about Anders Carlson right now. He got to be yes, better. I, yes, yes, yes. Let me. That, that was. I, that was my quick, but but yeah, I see a lot of comments in the a lot of comments in the comments talking about the spots. Like the spots were egregious on numerous occasions. Boy, I ain't gonna hold you. Yeah, like so. Like, I always go back to like the conspiracy part of it. I, I don't even know. Did you get to your conspiracy yet? That's what I was wondering. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I, I gotta finish it because I'm getting hot. <laughs> what's, the, what's the conspiracy, brother? Everybody else seen it. Well, a lot of people have seen it and been talking about it. So I just ignored it. I tried to ignore it. So let's let's hit the actual conspiracy. Before the game, the day or two before the game, San Francisco News was promoting Reba McIntyre, Post Malone, and Usher for the halftime game. That game featured the San Francisco 49ers and the Baltimore Ravens. Well, they also have the colors for the Super Bowl as the San Francisco 49ers and the Baltimore Ravens. Is with the league conspiring to make sure that the San Francisco 49ers and the Baltimore Ravens 
make the goddamn Super Bowl. Because ain't no way in hell y'all seen that whole officiating crew the whole game. The whole game. Doing the most egregious non-calling bullshit, face masks not being called, late hits, rough standing there looking at them. They ain't calling nothing. For some no way... For hey, someone who said they don't like to blame the refs, it sure do sound like you blaming the refs for a oh, twenty minute diatribe. I'm blaming the league. Uh, okay, the, okay. the league. This is conspiracy, brother. One point oh. Question. The original. Timothy. What what benefit does the NFL have you know, to put in the 49ers? Viewership. viewership. Uh, the 49ers over the Packers. Listen, the, nah. the Cowboys last Nine week. All pro- hey, fuck the Cowboys. Don't nobody give a shit about them. They be playing that game American team. Don't nobody give a shit about them. All right. Don't nobody give a shit about them. You got your conspiracy off. I'm going to reel it back, and I'm going to go back to actually answer the question. Go ahead. Take your hoodie off, brother. The initial question, again, was what was the biggest takeaway from Green Bay this season after watching them? Right, that man went on a we went on a whole ride real quick with him. Uh I'm back. but for me, the biggest <laughs> takeaway from this season was that Goody is gonna need another solid draft class because although we're out of the shackles from some of the salary cap hell the Packers were in this season, they still are in a little bit of hell next season as well. They don't have a lot of free agent money and they're going to need to hit on another draft class. And if you look at the last two like we mentioned, you're seeing those young skill players develop. I mean, the 2020 draft in itself is already a success because you found a quarterback in it. I don't care who else you drafted in that draft. You got Jordan Love. You got a quarterback. That draft is a success. All right. You also had John Runyon Jr. in there who is probably going to end up playing for the team. 2021, you got like Josh Myers. You have Isaiah McDuffie who came on late. Eric Stokes has had some bad injury. Like, I'm not sure what the future looks like for him. 2022, you're getting contributions now from Quay Walker, from Devontae Wyatt, Christian Watson. Sean Ryan seems like he's going to have a bigger role next year. Romeo Dobbs, Zach Tom, Kingsley Angabare. Like, Rasheed Walker, a seventh-round tackle, was our starting left tackle, and he looks like he's going to be able to maintain control of that job. Good draft. Last year, Lucas Van Ness, Luke Musgrave, Jaden Reed, Tucker Craft, Kobe Wooden, they take our Dontavian Wicks, Carl Brooks. Like there are some names that we're like, these are guys who are going to be able to make an impact. And for this team next year, they're going to have to make another, have another good draft because there's not going to be a lot of help free agent wise. Uh, and like Tim did mention before the 49ers uh, rant, the window is starting to open for this team quicker than I'm sure a lot of people thought that it would. So let's let's now expectations are changing. Now people are going to expect for the Packers to be good next season. And this is the team that after you lose that way, like the Packers were able to experience a very thrilling playoff victory. Great experience going down to Dallas, getting a big win. And then they also got to feel losing a game that you had in control for most of it, that you know in your heart you should have won had you not, as a Jordan Love, had you not missed, you know, throws. The throw gets tipped. It's an interception now. Had you and Aaron Jones been on the same page where Aaron Jones is still running, but you thought he was going to sit down and you're going to deliver it right there. Miscommunication. 
on defense, missing tackles, not wrapping up on defense, missing interceptions. Like these are things you carry with you, missing kicks. Everybody who had a reason into why this team was not able to you to win, you carry that in the offseason and you attack the offseason. Like that's my takeaway from this year is that you need another strong draft class and you need these young guys to keep working. Like this was great experience, but nothing is guaranteed. We thought when the Packers won that first Super Bowl in 2010 with Rodgers, like, oh, we young. We're going to be back. We're going to get a bunch of these with him. Favre gave us one. Rodgers is going to give us a couple. We got one. Nothing is guaranteed. You've got to work for it. So that's my biggest takeaway from the Packers season. I had a lot of fun with it, even with the early frustrations. I think that's part of what made the latter half of the season even more fun because you're watching guys like a Tucker Craft who I think was the most improved player on the Packers team this season from where he came in at camp to where he finished the season from the blocking to the route running to the catching like and we know tight end is one of the hardest positions to learn coming into the league and adjusting so that's my takeaway I'm very excited for the future of the Packers but nothing is guaranteed they're gonna have to work for it I'm gonna have two quick comments one um I think it might have been Peter Bukowski on Twitter. It was somebody on Packers Twitter. But, like, they pointed out that with NIL and COVID years, it's kind of contributing to – maybe it was Mark. I don't know. It was somebody. Um, But it's contributing to, like, it actually – drives not being as deep, especially this year, just because so many people have gone back to school. People are staying because of money or because they got the extra year of eligibility. Um but I have faith in the front office because they've been finding gems like all over the board. Like Valentine was what, a seventh round pick. And mm-hmm. that might be your, your starting cornerback uh, next year. Um, KG, Simon Jones, like he's special. Um, the other one was with Jordan Love sitting for three years. Mm-hmm. They already, like they don't get like those gravy years that some teams get where it's like you got the quarterback on the cheap contract so you can just like load up on <laughs> load up on free agents you know San Francisco so like he you know unfortunately like we have to, unfortunately we have the privilege of going right into we got to pay for a top tier quarterback again um oh, you can pay this summer too yeah um which also like made me think like I don't know 49ers Good luck when you got to pay Purdy. That's all I'll say. Because I don't know if he's the type of quarterback that's going to be able to, like, lift up a team when he's making, like, 30% of the salary cap. Okay. We're going to see. Uh, real quick, some comments. Will they resign Jones and let him go at 29? After what he showed, I think you got to resign Jones, figure out a way uh, to get that cap number to be reasonable for them to keep him. And then Dustin asked, does A.J. Dillon have a future in Green Bay? I salute A.J. for what he has done, but I do think that his time with the Green Bay Packers is up. I talked about the draft. What I hope they do is that the Packers draft another running back, someone a little bit more in that Aaron Jones mold that's dynamic, shifty, speedy, uh, can catch up the backfield, something like that, because you see the difference that having a back like – and again, I'm not saying you can find another Aaron Jones that easily – He's one of the best running backs the Packers have had. Uh, but that skill set, I think, is what you need in this offense. Any other wise Packer thoughts before we move on? Yeah, I got two. Um, Aaron Jones is still on the contract with us next year. Next year, after next year, he's free. So, for his 2024 contract, he's going to make $11 million next year. Uh, he has a... He's supposed to make... Uh, 
23,000 per game uh, active bonus. So from 22 to 24. So he, we still have him one more year. He signed his four year contract in 2021. So 21, 22, 23, 24. So we still have him next year. Next but year is going to be the point. year. His 30 year old year is his last year. But to that point, we weren't sure if he was even coming back this season because of his con- because of that cap number. Like he could get cut, they could wait, they could do a lot of different things to get him off this team in the off season. But I think the best course of action is to figure out a way to make that cap number reasonable for both parties and find a way to get him back in the green and gold. Yeah, because it, it balloons this from so this year, his cap number was seven point eight million. And they had uh, next year, his now. cap number is seventeen. Right, because they were yeah, pushing it, it forward. Is. They got to restructure something. So, all right, your second point. Um, even though we only got one with Aaron and Fire, we still got more than the goddamn boys in recent memory. Fuck them. <laughs> oh, and the Bears. <laughs> Can't forget them. I'm sorry. Can't forget them. But go Lions. Actually, I don't have no problem with rooting for the Lions. Me either. I have no issue rooting with the Lions. I don't fuck with the uh, Vikings. I don't fuck with the Bears. I don't fuck with the boys, but I have no problem rooting for the Lions. Go Lions. Same. <laughs> All right. Oh, but that, that, that was my um, outside Man, I of the no, north. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I don't root for them. I ain't got no quarrels with no, with no Lions. Yeah. Well, you know, typically I'm like, if we lose to a team, I want that team to win. Just to, you know, we lost to the champs. No, fuck, them, fuck, fuck that. No. I'm rooting for the Lions on this one. Like, I know we lost to the 49ers, and yeah, we may not have lost to the eventual champs, but on this one, I'm with I'm with the Lions on this one. And maybe it's because of my love for Barry Sanders. Like, he was my favorite back. He was one of my he was my favorite player, like in the NFL history. Like, uh Lions ain't never had shit. They ain't never been shit. So now that he actually got some shit going on, you know, I kind of you know I'm rooting for you. Shella in the in the comments, that's a, a Lions fan, says so she's selling blue Kool-Aid for five dollars, just so everybody knows. That's hey, expensive ass Kool-Aid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even though I pass it like any cents, I think. Uh, but all right, let's 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 I'm move close. on. Uh, that's me. Uh, so on the AFC side, the Chiefs beat the Bills twenty-seven to twenty-four. I think that's this the is game. the third time sure is. That the Chiefs have beaten the Bills in the playoffs. Three for um, three. What's it gonna take for Josh Allen to get over to Patrick Mahomes, huh? Cause the homes to retire. God damn, <laughs> they even had home field advantage this time. We couldn't beat them. Correct. This was Mahomes' first road game in the playoffs, which is wild to say. His first road game that's not in the Super Bowl because that's the neutral site. Yep. In the playoffs, and that was his 16th start in the playoffs. That was his first road game at y'all crib. Hey. Jeff summed it up perfectly. The Bills go from losing to Brady to losing to Mahomes. It's tough sledding. Shit, you go back further than that. They go from losing to the boys to losing to the Patriots to losing to Mahomes. Like, that's a cursed place, man. It ain't meant to be, bro. Y'all, y'all, y'all put on the show until it's time to go to the show. I will say, <laughs> Josh Allen gets more sympathetic coverage for somebody who can't win in the playoffs than anybody I've ever seen in my life. Oh, it's not Josh Allen's fault. It's like, it's never anybody's fault, really. But, like, you heap blame on him, nonetheless. He was balling that game, though. He He's awesome. I'll take, take Josh Allen every every day of the week. It's like, okay, so you just want you want you, you cool with losing to the Chiefs every day of the week? Because like, that seems to be, like, the bargain that you make it. Now, I, I, to be fair, but let's, it's a team sport, it right? Is. The Buffalo Bills lost. I do think that Josh Allen himself had a good game against the Chiefs. 
there were two big drops there that definitely changed the course and he underthrew a possible touchdown pass in that game. So he had a good game, but Josh Allen reminds me of like a, a kind of Brett Farvish where it's like the, the turn, like the gunslinger, like you gonna you're gonna get some turn, you're gonna get some interceptions, but I got an arm, so you can also got see that some, bucket in them. Some marvelous <laughs> touchdowns. Jordan Love got some of that in him too. That's what we Boy. saw at the end of that game. It was a big Brett Favre throw. I've seen yeah. Brett Favre make that throw quite a few times and they always ended that same way. But I digress. Josh Allen, I don't know what it's going to take for Buffalo to get over this hump, but as long as the Buffalo Bills do have Josh Allen, they're going to have a shot. That's the thing with a quarterback. Because to Shella's point in the comments, who said, why does Mahomes seem so good yet so mid at the same time this year? The Chiefs played their best game of the season against the Bills. Like, the offensive line was blocking. Everything looked good for them. It looked real good for them. And Pat Mahomes was on receivers for catching the ball. Like, that's part of why I think he looked mid at certain points this year because the receivers weren't helping him out uh, a lot. And he was under a lot of pressure at times throughout the season as well. But Buffalo, man, that's heartbreak. That's heartbreak. They had the four straight years in the Super Bowl with four straight L's. They had the wide right, and then in this game here, you get another wide right situation that could have tied it up. Well, that motherfucker went like this. <laughs> any miracle was against them? <sighs> yeah, First bro. place, man. They, they built that stadium on Indian burial ground or something. Some. It, it's an old Egyptian uh, cursed uh, item under there. <laughs> Shit like they got voodoo over there. They... <laughs> That they call it exorcist. Taylor Jeff, Swift was going crazy in the uh, the press box. Man, Jeff said the Bills have not beating came to Green Bay because they kept showing her. Ooh, because they just kept showing her. They literally, after damn near every play that they made, if Kelsey made a first down, they showed her in the box. If Kelsey got, if they made a first down, they didn't even have their Kelsey. Pacheco's stomping hard as shit through the uh, through the grass. That motherfucker be running angry as hell. He, he really runs like he bites people. That was I don't know who said that, but that was accurate. Pacheco runs like he bites people. He be running mad as hell, while he's stomping hard as hell through that damn snow. <laughs> but, but I like Pacheco, I, I really do. But to be fair, the Bills' offensive line was moving the Chiefs' defense. They were moving cats. Putting your head, putting the, putting the game on the line with a kicker that's been shaky, shaky. Hey, hey man. We know something about that. You're moving like that, score more than 24 points. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but, I mean, that's, that's the answer I got for the Pat Mahomes. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, people were saying, like, this is this is uh, Brady and, and and Peyton again. And I'm like, hmm. She, hey, she wanted swag surfing, Chella. She was, they was kayaking, canoeing. They was whitewater rafting. They was, they was doing something. They was paddle boating. They was on a gondola. It wasn't swag <laughs> It was something, but it wasn't that. Listen. We can wrap this up with this because I, I saw an article and it's talking about the Chiefs viral swag surf video and it's like the Chiefs didn't make the swag surf viral. The swag surf has been a part of the black culture since the song released. We got it Columbus. Happened. We always hit Columbus. It's always that way. That's when you know something is like either about to be old, outdated, no longer part of the culture once it, it gets Columbus away from us. I'm not letting them have the swag surf. I refuse my shit. It's theirs now. <laughs> hey, Chelsea was surfing USA. Yeah, that's what they was doing. Because they want swag surfing. Listen, 
No, that's it. Yes. No, they was wakeboarding. They was something. <laughs> but let me ask y'all this before we move on football and get into NBA. We have the conference championships this week. In the NFC, we have the Lions and the 49ers. In the AFC, we have the Ravens and the Chiefs. What is your Super Bowl prediction? Black cities. (laughs) So Baltimore, Detroit. Yep. Um, Leonardo. That's it. That one right there. Yeah, I, I got Baltimore and AFC for sure. I honestly think it's going to be 49ers, uh, Baltimore. But I, I would very much love for it to be Detroit and Baltimore. Uh, Jeff asks, oh. if the Chiefs win a Super Bowl, does Travis retire also? He's been talking about retirement. It's on the I table, so. for sure. He, don't, he about to go home and be a house husband. Boy. Hey. <laughs> I was telling Sam, you know... For as much hate as some people give him for being with Taylor Swift, I was like, to be fair, he grabbed the biggest pop artist in this lifetime. Like, bro, like you really got Taylor Swift, my guy. That's like if somebody went and grabbed like Jay-Z with Beyonce. Like, you really got her. Like nothing else, man. Like, I'm gonna fuck what you talking about. You wish you had my bit. <laughs> like it is what it is, my guy. I'll be house husband, housewife, whatever the fuck you want to call me. Whatever she want to call me. Fuck what you talking about. Whatever she want to call me, I am what I am that. Taylor finna go put a baby in him. First of the first of first of many. All right. All the little Swifties running around. Hey. All right. Let's swerve back on over to an NBA topic. Wait, did you pick a winner? Yeah, I said 49ers uh, Ravens. Are you going with the the conspiracy joint? Okay. I think that is going to be the Super Bowl. Oh, no. Did you pick a Super Bowl winner, though? Oh, Baltimore. Okay. Baltimore. Yeah, sorry, I can't. I can't let you win now. But uh, Lamar got to get his. If he gets yeah, there, he got to get his. Lamar gets his. Yeah. Uh, so this Thursday, yeah, NBA yeah. All Star Stars are gonna get named. Yeah. Um. So I'm gonna ask you guys to pick your All Star Stars for the East and the West. Um, as a quick reminder, the stars are chosen by composite vote. Um, 50% fans, 25% players, 25% media um the reserves will be chosen by the nba coaches um so the starters are two guards three four front court players did i send y'all mine and they are going you said what did i send y'all mine in the group no no hmm. um as a reminder they're going back to east versus west as the format so no more nba all-star i like the draft aspect but i get it I liked it, but Giannis is the worst GM, so. <laughs> so they changed the rules because he sucked? Because he, yeah. <laughs> uh, Camille, you got yours? I do. So on Thursday, because TNT is going to be the one, they normally are the one who announced the, the starters. When the starters are announced, this is what I predict that we will see. In the East, I think you will see Tyrese Halliburton and Damian Lillard listed. And then I think you're going to see Giannis, Embiid, and Tatum for the front court. In the West, 
I think that's going to be stopped as actually what we saw in the last fan return. Steph Curry and Luka as your backcourt, and then LeBron, KD, and Jokic as the frontcourt. And the reason that I put Dame in as an Eastern All-Star starter over Trey, who was leading in the fan vote the last return that we saw, is that Dame was very close behind Trey, and Dame hit a big game winner, big Dame time moment before voting closed. Everybody was was pumping out the vote Dame in. Like I think, I think the fan vote numbers is going to go up, and I think that more of his peers will vote Dame in over a Trey. So I'm that's why. I've been doing that. Uh, uh, name five in the East mm-hmm. in the West I wasn't listening so if I repeat it sorry uh, but LeBron AD Jokic in the front court Steph and Shea in the back court oh so no Luka no KD I got the West is stacked um yeah. <laughs> No, I'm going with my five. Okay. Tim, who was yours? Uh, I'm going to go with who I voted for. So, I got uh, Lillard and Halliburton in the East. Oh, your five in the East. So, Lillard, Halliburton, Giannis, Embiid, Tatum. Uh, in the West, I got Jokic, LeBron, and AD, for sure. But I have Shea, and I got Ant Edwards. I believe that the way Ant has been playing has been just fucking crazy. Steph, sure, Steph probably will get folded in mainly for the hand vote shit like that, but Ant has been just nuclear. Like, the shit he's been doing and pulling... Shea should be, like, unquestionable at this point. I think Shea is definitely going to make the All-Star team. I chose... I picked my starters based in part on what we saw from the fan return because that's 50% of the vote. It's such a heavy piece of it that where Ant was, I don't think that the media and the players can make that up based mm-hmm. on how far ahead Luca and Steph were. But mm-hmm. I definitely think that Ant-Man is a all-star. I see Jeff in the comments saying, can you guys please talk about the report the last two minutes of yesterday's Wolves game and the 10 missed calls? I don't know what more to say about that, Jeff, other than they missed 10 calls. Yeah. Uh Anthony Edwards did one of the realest (laughs) interviews I've ever heard after a game where he said that they lost focus and he mentioned the fact it is very hard to shoot when you only get one shot in the first half and second half you expect to do more. He said it's very hard to get into a rhythm. He mentioned the fact that uh, they saw that Cat had it cooking early and they started feeding him and he said it was immature as F how they ended up playing because they lost sight of the game and they were just trying to feed the hot hand. They wanted to see that guy get 100 and they had a moment. Uh, I don't think I have too much more to say about that other than that. Refs missed some calls and the Wolves lost. Yeah, refs are human. They can get caught up in the moment just like everybody else. Like, they are more impervious to it. (laughs) But, like, they do have human moments and they miss stuff. Um, Also, I can see (laughs) where it's, like, some of the stuff that Kat and others were doing was kind of, like, I'm not going to reward that. So, like, I get, I get it. Like, in the letter of the law, like, sure, it's a foul. But also, if you're just, like, throwing yourself into somebody, like, unless your name is, you know, Trey or Shay or James Hart, like, or and Joel and B, like, typically, like, they don't try to reward that stuff. So, especially in crunch time. So, it's unfortunate. But I don't think it's, like, a conspiracy against the Wolves. Like, the Wolves played a dumbass game. Yeah. And they lost a big lead. Like, I think they 
that's probably worse than the 10 missed calls yeah. to me at least like if the bucks played that way i'd be like i'd be i'd be upset but at the same time i'd be like they were also like gunning <laughs> and like that was part of the reason why it was that close in the first place yeah they lost focus they wanted the they wanted the guy to have a game and he had a game it just came in the l all right i see kg in the comments that let's talk about tebow in this wwe what is what tebow tebow so <laughs> Nick Khan was on Pat McAfee and he was talking about like how he got involved with WWE in the first place. And it was because he was T-Bow's agent. Triple H reached out to Nick Khan like, hey, can we get T-Bow to fight Big Show at WrestleMania? Ah. He said it was that he got released from the Patriots. So I don't know when that was, but it was some time ago. Um, he's like, they had a meeting. It was T-Bow, Nick Khan. Triple H and Vince McMahon, they tried to get a deal. It, it just didn't come to fruition. Like, that was his intro to WWE, and that was kind of like how years later, Triple H was like, hey, I think we got something for you. He met with Vince, and that's how he got the job, which in light of recent news, like, that's the most consequential hire in WWE his well, since probably Hulk Hogan. All right. And it's been some news. We got, as I mentioned, two Big wrestling topics of the week here. Tim, take us away. Like the Calgon man. Uh, the, like the who man? Remember Calgon, Calgon, take me away. Uh, that, that before your time? Apparently. You okay. know, I guess that was from my past. <laughs> I guess I am. I'm, I'm old. Right, old. So, uh, are, we, are we starting with Raw or Rock? Let's start with, let's start with Rock. Hello. Right. Ah. So. <laughs> Dwayne The Rock Johnson appeared on ESPN's Fresh Take today, and he teased him fighting Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Um, burying the I lead, do... ain't you? You said what? So you burying the lead, ain't you? Am I burying the lead? His name to the board of directors for TKO. Oh, that's no, no, what he no, no, no. the show for. Yeah, yeah, that's what he was there for. But With like the real he was on first take and teasing the WrestleMania talk because they was talking about it in there. But while he was there as Eric alluded to. He was uh, also talking about him being named on the board of directors for WWE and TKO, uh, who's under Endeavor, um, and how big of a deal it was for him to be able to, one, be on the board of directors for a company that his dad and his granddad built and things of that nature, uh, his family built, so to speak, but also taking over full control of the name The Rock, which, yeah. to me, I was like, holy shit. They really let you take over, like, the entire thing, bro? Like, all of the the merch, all of the residuals, all of the royalties, all of the... Like, everything associated with The Rock, which is, for WWE, is huge. And that's just WWE, because now you're talking about the movie stuff that has uh, The Rock, the action figures that has The Rock, the, any of the trademarks that has The Rock to it, he owns. It's his. Oh, he, he took his masters back. Yeah, <laughs> you want me to be on the board? Give me my masters. All right, you got it. Oh, what? That in itself, because we've known for years and years and years, people leave WWE and they can't use their actual name sometimes in other companies, or they can't use the name that they use in WWE because they have trademarked it and owned it. So for you to be able to take back full control of that, to me, that was part of the biggest thing of the interview. But him being on the board of directors does speak to, okay, we understand you were a big part of this. We understand how crucial you can be. We understand the businessman that you are. You can help propel WWE to even bigger heights than they already are, which to me, that's kind of hard to fathom. But 
Apparently, they can go bigger than what they currently are. Um, and then, on the wrestling side of it, was the tease for WrestleMania. Because he wouldn't just flat out say, yeah, 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 that's happening. No, because he still loves the business portion of it. He understands the business. He understands that this is a tease, ladies and gentlemen. That's <laughs> Eric would say. And it's just one of those things where, yeah, he may have teased it, but that's kind of it kind of gave the confirmation for a lot of folks that were already kind of, this probably going to happen. Like, no, nah, we probably getting Roman in the Rock at Mania, which, again, huge. Huge, huge, huge. So the question, I guess, that would be would is, do you feel like it was a build towards WrestleMania, or do you feel like it was just him being the front man for Endeavor and TKO and WWE as, hey, th- I run this stock market bill and this, that, and third. So I'm just here being the front man to be able to, you know, kind of give our my information since uh, Roman and Paul Heyman was here before. You know, I'm just another guy from the company coming to talk about the company business. I think for for me, had The Rock not appeared on, what was it, SmackDown? Mm-hmm. When, he came out when, he, when he made the little hint about I'm about to go out to eat. Where should I sit? And I'm set the head of the table. And I was like, oh, like if he had, if we didn't have that piece of it, and then now we see him on first take teasing about the fact that, hey, if me and Roman do this, it's the biggest match at WrestleMania. Like that's what he's saying. So I think, I think there's some smoke. I think there, there, there is something here that might be becoming. And then with the news of Seth Rollins injuring himself legitimately, and looking to get back in time for WrestleMania, I do wonder if that makes WWE be like, hey, in case this does not work out with Seth in this injury, we really need to make sure that we have like a big, big match for number 40. This is WrestleMania 40. And we need to have something. I could definitely see them putting the pressure up to try to make the Rock Roman bloodline angle happen. To me, that signal that Cody is never finishing that story. Yeah. <laughs> happened in this spring. Um, no, I think that we we had a conversation. I want to say it was two weeks ago. Whenever he made that comment, we we kind of debriefed. Um, and it's kind of like you know, like storyline makes sense, and is it coming in? But you know, like all these mach- machinations. And then I just thought, like after we got off the show, I just thought about like the poster, and it's like it's rock and roll, and like that is an instant like box office. Yep, I, I was gonna say sellout, but it's already sold out. Like it's it, it, like that's the biggest match that they can put on. Like no disrespect to Cody, but it's like that kind of takes a biz. Like the business takes a back seat to, I mean, sorry, the storyline takes a back seat to the business. Like if you can put on the biggest marquee, like no Vince isn't still in charge, but his disciples are. And like the biggest thing for Vince was always like, what can I put on the poster to sell yeah. this thing? Ooh. And like maybe maybe it is a triple threat with Cody, but it's like that kind of dilutes the bigness of it because you want to see the rock against Roman Reigns. You know what I mean? Like that that's that's the marquee. That's the thing. And especially like with Seth now being hurt, like if you make the other championship the night one main event and make that a triple threat with Seth, Punk, and who am I forgetting? Cody. Like if Seth can't make it back, then you still have a big championship match night one. 
that has backstory. They had their little promo battle yesterday. Like their story there. Cody can still win his big championship. You know, like it's not the big belt that he's, you know, staked his story to, but you can still make it work, even if it's not what you would envisioned a year ago, because like bigger shit came along. <laughs> you know, and you know, flash change. I also thought the funny thing is like the rock is technically uh Triple H's boss now. Which is funny. Yeah. That's given funny. their shared history. Shut anyway, up. I, I think that, I think it was a tease. I think that, <laughs> I don't think that they'll keep bringing the thing up if it's not going to happen because you can't promise something and then not deliver. Yeah, and it's first take. Like you on ESPN, like something's about to shake, mm-hmm. and they they oh, shook something boy. else up too because we talked about Netflix and chill. Boy, how you go be Netflix and raw? <laughs> it already was, my brother. It already was. Uh, I was just saying, now you got even more of that shit. We watch it wrong. You talking about me or the TV? <laughs> <laughs> so, with that being said, WWE Raw is moving from broadcast TV to Netflix in January 2025. The deal is valued at more than $500 million per year for 10 years, or if you're good at math, $5 billion. Billion with a billion, billion dollars. With so a billion. Say, money like that? <laughs> yeah, 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 they got money like that. Uh, so to say, WWE's current five-year deal uh, for U.S. rights to Raw with NBC Universal is approximately worth two hundred fifty to two hundred sixty million per year. They doubled up, boy. So uh, the current deal with NBC Universal has Raw airing on USA uh, Network until October of twenty twenty-four. And according to an individual with knowledge of the situation, exactly what role will be aired by between the end of that deal and the beginning of Netflix is still to be determined. determined. So it's kind of weird that it's going to be like in flux for three months. I would imagine it just stays on the USA. Like they got SmackDown. They, so you they have a, like their relationship <laughs> is still there. Like it's extended it for a couple months. Right. That's. For them to move over to Netflix, and the talk mainly was Amazon for a minute. That's still crazy to go over to a streaming platform like that. It's been on, yeah. That I will say that that's kind of been a hallmark of WWE throughout their history. Um, is that they're kind of at the forefront of technology. Like, not saying that Netflix is you know something new, but like Netflix moving into live programming is new for them. Um, but if you think back to like even cable tv like they were one of the first like wrestling was one of the first staple programs on cable tv pay-per-views that kind of revolutionized that market the wwe network when it launched was kind of like that was the new like we'd had netflix as like a standalone streaming but like for somebody to go into their own streaming platform again that was new even joining peacock like they licensed out their uh material that way so like this is this is part and parcel for like WWE throughout their history. Um like, I think it's a good bet, like shit, five you know, five billion over ten years, like hey, that's why they put that clause in there. Jeff mentioned it too, but Netflix can opt out after five years or extend ten more years because like you said, this is a big financial investment. Mm-hmm. I mean, you still give me two point five bill if you opt out after five. Like that's still that's still a lot. <laughs> so, so next time to change. Like, even if Netflix opts out, like, somebody's going to want it because it's live rice. 
and they get the they get the eyes on them, bro. And if they plan on expanding and being bigger, like they like the Rock said on first take, like it's gonna be worth it. Somebody, somebody ain't getting them eyes and them views, and it's gonna be well worth it to bring over, especially the WWE program like Monday Night Raw, like that, like even if it's not Netflix, like they may end up going back over to Prime if that if they decide to opt out or whatever the case may be. But I mean, like, with it being TKO now, like, you can package UFC and WWE. Like, I think that for right now, like, they're trying to keep them separate. But, like, if you go to ESPN at one point, like, hey, we got these two mammoth brands that we can put pro live programming on your platforms, you know, like, which is guaranteed eyeballs for, you know, 52 weeks a year. Like, I think that's the biggest selling point for WWE television products is that you got 52 weeks a year of programming that's guaranteed to give you x amount of views x amount of dollars so and they don't have to do anything all they gotta do is put it on a tv like wwe WWE produces everything so you don't have to like invest in the actual production of the television it's just like we paying y'all y'all put y'all stuff on my tv and then we bring in ad dollars like i wonder if the wrestlers are like Hey yo, we see these deals, y'all got my guy. What's the, with this pay scale? What's what <laughs> has been saying? Like apparently, uh, they have been trying to lock up a lot of superstars. Like they've been throwing out contracts, and we're trying to lock people up uh, for the next few years. I don't know what those numbers are looking like, but I do know that they have been trying to lock people up. And then, as we wrap up, uh, international markets with this deal coming with Netflix getting WWE. Not in the USA and a couple other countries, but for other international markets, Netflix will be the home of everything WWE. So that means SmackDown will be on Netflix. NXT will be on Netflix. Uh, they're going to have all the documentaries. How Kind of how Peacock has all that stuff. In international markets, Netflix is going to have that, which makes me wonder, once the Peacock deal is up, is that something that WWE is going to look to do and transition their library over to Netflix, which... Peacock has done a terrible job, in my opinion. Boy. With it, like the WWE Network was gold. You could like skip through matches. You could figure out what you wanted to do. Like it was organized nice. better. Now it's like, I don't even know where to find stuff. So mm-hmm. Netflix, you got to give me something better. Like I feel like Netflix can do it. So we'll see how that goes once their deal with, with Peacock and NBC runs up. Jeff added a lot of talent is not happy with the pay. I bet they're not for how many days they work. Shit, you got me working three damn near three sixty five, and then you talking about no, nah, bro. I see you making five hundred million a year. No, nah, bro, I need some of that. It hasn't been made official yet, but I did see a rumor that um, Okada from New yeah, Japan might be making the jump to WWE, and like that would be the biggest Japanese signing since Nakamura. I mean, like yeah. I don't think they've had that many since then, but like it's on par. Like that has been like. Japanese Cena basically in NG, NJPW um, so if he does come over like that's a big get for them and I would hope that they treat him like the star that he is because I've seen snippets of it like I, I'm not tapped into that Japanese scene like that but like it's fire and we got the rumble on Saturday and he, this contract's not contract is, until yeah. the end of the month Mm, I thought it was that far already. Uh-huh. No. The 30th just, he announced that he was leaving, but his last matches aren't until the end of the month. Yeah. Then, mm, okay. So WrestleMania would be a, a 
more realistic launching spot if he comes over. And I think Shinsuke has been hinting towards that a little bit with some of his promos that he's been mentioning, like chaos. And that's something that they apparently use over in New Japan. So we shall see. We shall see. Royal Rumble is on Saturday. We do have five spots up in the pool. Eric, if you want to plug that as we get ready to wrap up here. Yes, so we still have five open spots for our Royal Rumble five. pool this five. Saturday. Five. Um, you just have to enter the pool before, by the end of Friday night, essentially. Um, you can do that a number of ways. You can email us, technicalfilepod at gmail.com. You can, if you're in this live stream now, you can just enter your name or say, hey, I want to I wanna enter <laughs> as a comment. We'll take care of it from there. Um, you can also find some of our social media posts that talk about the Royal Rumble, or you can just add us. Like, <laughs> however, even as individuals or the technical file pages um, on Twitter, Instagram, or which one? I'm forgetting Facebook. Yeah. So, uh, okay. Well, that wraps up the show for oh, this week. Oh, go sorry, ahead. I didn't say <laughs> The Royal Rumble pool means that if you know we assign you a number, if the wrestler comes out at your assigned number, wins the match, you win the pool. We're giving away technical foul merchandise. We'll let you pick one thing from our website to uh, within reason <laughs> to, uh, and we'll we'll pay for it and send it to you. Big facts. And with that, we will wrap up again. Thank you very much for tuning in to Tech File this week. As a reminder, Triple T, you are in. As a reminder. Show us what that word of mouth do. Share the show with somebody. Uh, put us on because people can listen to your opinion a little bit more than ours since we are on this show. We appreciate y'all. And uh, man, what a day. What a week. I love the fact that we get to talk about sports um, and people tune in to, to listen to our thoughts and interact with us. This is cool. Uh, parting words of wisdom. I'm just going to say I finished Echo on Disney+. Plus. And uh, how the name comes about for the Echo was very touching. It had me all in my feels. It was it was beautiful. And I say that as I get ready to, to celebrate uh, my granny's birthday who passed away some years ago. And the reminder is that she's echoing through me and through our family. And that's a beautiful message for all of those who might have lost somebody. They continue to echo on through us. So I'll leave it with that social medias if you want to follow me you can catch me wait a minute on the twitter the instagram these psn 2k streets at camille monet c-a-m-i-l-l-e m-o-n-a-e uh jeff if you want to fly us out we'll be happy to take you up on that but otherwise (laughs) i don't know if a group trip to wrestlemania is, is in the cards um but yeah, you can find me at Bucks Burner on Twitter. That's all you get. That is all that you get. Kay Harris, the gentleman, is not here, but Kay Harris 216 on Instagram. No. no, that's the Twitter. Snap. Twitter, everyday underscore gentleman on Instagram and Snapchat. And I guess it's your boy. I don't guess I know it's your boy T-I-M-K-I-N-Z the number three let me be quiet my boy sleeping aka ass catch him aka Mr. Give it to me we'll holler appreciate y'all have a good one